Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. It is Wednesday, June 15th. This is episode 16 of Nick Snack News Radio. I'm your host of the program, Nick Durst. Joining me, as always, will be J.T. Brown. Uh, he's not on the call yet, but he will be uh, momentarily. And we have a big special guest this evening. We have C.J. Simmons joining the program from Sports by C.J. So I'll tell you a little bit more about himself as he comes on. Uh, but he's pretty much an NBA expert. And, uh, you know, he's sitting courts, uh, while Spike Lee is sitting courtside at Knicks games, uh, CJ's over there giving him Diet Coke and stuff. He's got a ton of uh, basketball experience uh, with uh, marketing, activation stuff. So I'll get more into that when he comes on. Um, and if anyone wants to discuss anything with uh, CJ regarding basketball or anything with me or JT, about anything we speak about tonight, you can call us by dialing in to one. 724-444-7444, and then proceed to enter the call ID, 140618, followed by the pound key, or you can tweet us at, at Nick News, or tweet me at Nick underscore Durst, or tweet John, JT, the other co-host, to the co-host of this program, at SI underscore sports, and you can also uh, check out CJ on Twitter at uh, at Sports by CJ. Uh, so, as I mentioned at the top of the show, it is June 15th. We are in the midst of Major League Baseball season. Uh, just looking around, just looking around the league right now at the standings. Starting the AL, uh, the Baltimore Orioles in the East have a one-game lead over the Boston Red Sox, and then right behind them are the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, those three teams, it might come down to, to the last week of the season when we're talking about who's going to win that division, who could be the wild card team. All three of those teams can really hit. Um, and then at the bottom of the AL East is the New York Yankees with a 31-34 record. Uh, they're at the bottom of the East, and that's will probably stay there for the rest of the season. The question will be, will they actually make some trades? and sell off their players because in the last 20 years, they have yet to do that, uh, and Brian Cashford just isn't allowed to do so. Uh, I had the privilege or honor of meeting Brian Cashford uh, two years ago uh, at Yankee Stadium, went to the war room with him where they have all their notes and stuff about trades, uh, and, and in, in that war room, Brian uh, – was very genuine, uh, very honest, open. He said he, he wanted to trade a lot of players to get prospects in their need to, but he was not allowed to do so by management. Um, and then if we move on here to the, the Central, we do have the Cleveland Indians, 
are in first place, 35 and 29 record. Kansas City Royals right behind them, 34 and 30. That's going to be a tie race as well. The loser of that division will most likely end up being the wild card team. In the West, we do have the Texas Rangers atop the standings. Uh, it doesn't really seem like anybody's really putting up a fight against them. Seattle Mariners are the closest team, but they're five and a half games back for a 34 and 30 record. Uh, and if you look at the wild card at this at this point in time, the Boston Red Sox and Toronto Blue Jays would be the teams in the wild card. And as far as you just starting the show right now, listening live, uh, we will have a special call on the line, guest uh, guest spot interview, what have you, analyst CJ will be coming on in a few minutes to discuss NBA. Uh, if anyone wants to call and discuss anything with him in regards to uh, basketball or anything else that you might ask him, uh, dial in at one seven two four 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 seven four four four. Enter the call ID one four zero six one eight. Follow by the pound key. We'll be free to take. Feel free to ask any questions you want in the chat room as well. That is, if you're listening live, not if you're listening to the podcast. Thank you for that as well. So if you want any questions to be answered right in the chat or tweet us at News or at Nick underscore Durst or at SM Sports. Uh, and back to MLB real quick before we get to CJ here. Uh, we do have the NL East with the Washington Nationals almost running away to the division at this point, 41-25 and 25 record, and they are five and a half games up on the Mets. Go to the Central, Chicago Cubs 44-20. and 20. Running away with the division, nine games up on the St. Louis Cardinals. And then at West, you have the San Francisco Giants also running away with the division. They're six games ahead of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers are 35 and 32. You really have to wonder what they would be record wise without playing Kershaw, because he's been absolutely amazing for them at this, uh, up to this point. And it's really rare that he even walks anybody. I think he has seven walks this season. His strikeout-to-walks ratio is about 22 to 1, which is historic. Uh, And then the Central, the the Cardinals and Pirates, very good teams, but the Cubs are just running over the division. It's not even close at this point. Uh, If you look at the wild card standings in the NL, as of today, June 15th, you have the St. Louis Cardinals, the first wild card team, the New York Mets, the second wild card team. You don't want to be in the wild card game uh, in the NL, especially because, first of all, it's the wild card game. You could lose, you could win 50 50, and then you have to worry about playing the Cubs in the first round. Definitely not something that you want to happen to your team. You can have a great season. Uh, just look at the Pirates last year. Well, they won 97 games. They get to the wild card game, lose to the Cubs. The Cubs are very dangerous this year moving forward here. Uh, we do have a caller here on the line. Let's see. saying it's a Southern California number. Um, and we'll get to you in a second. But first, we do have a uh, call on the line. I believe it is our co-host for this evening. Uh, JT, is that you? You're there? Hey, Nick, what's going on, Nick? All right, what's going on, JT? So I was just discussing uh, the MLB 
landscape right now. And quick before we do get to uh, CJ to talk to NBA, uh, the Mets. Uh, right now, they're putting up to run, but it's been the same story for the last three weeks, really, which is the pitchers pitch great. They give up two runs, three runs, and then the Mets can't score a run, and they lose two, two nothing, three one, stuff like that. Isn't that just ridiculous at this point? Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a tough road, especially with Washington getting hot playing good baseball. Um, it's going to be tough, man. I. <laughs> Outside of um, you know Kelly Johnson, uh, do you think the Mets are going to make another move? I don't think so. Uh, it's not <laughs> it's not looking good, but luckily uh, Terry Collins is healthy. Uh, but I don't under- I understand the talent wise, the team is not really well constructed at this point. But I mean, what is he thinking with some of these lineups? Uh, you know, you got to be encouraged by Alejandro Diaz leaving off last night. He was up for four, but it's one strikeout. So I guess that is progress. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, but currently, as we speak right now, the Mets, uh, they've been, they've, another crazy thing that they're doing is they're essentially playing with only 22 guys. As Neil Walker, Juan Lagares, and Michael Fordo all hurt, haven't played in days. And they play, they're just playing three men down. It doesn't make any sense. What is Sandy Alderson thinking? Um, I have no idea. Why not put them on the DL? Um, you know, the two. I guess maybe they think that they're like day to day, where you know they don't want to lose the full two weeks. I don't know, or they don't want to get you know the options on guys who took light. I really have no clue what they're thinking. Yeah, it's really crazy. Uh, and I mean, you could talk about the Mets all night if we wanted to, but uh, they are winning 10 nothing right now, so we'll, we'll get back to at the end of the show. Uh, but CJ is going to be calling it any second now, but we did have a caller who called in right away, right off the bat. Maybe he wanted to talk to CJ, maybe not. He was a Southern California caller, JT. So let's oh. welcome on the program. Uh, caller, uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? What's up? Hello. Hello, call us from Southern California. All right, oh. maybe there's something, something wrong with their phone there uh, with the West Coast. Maybe got lost in the time translation or something. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I was thinking for a second, hey, maybe Andrew uh, was on vacation in Florida, in uh, California. Who knows? Uh, but joining us at this time uh, will be. CJ Simmons from Sports by CJ. And if everyone wants to speak with him about anything NBA, you can either write the question in the chat, tweet us at Nick Nasty, which are at Nick underscore Durst, or at S underscore Sports. Or you can give us a call. We'll take your call. 1724-444-7444 is the number to call on this Wednesday evening edition of Nick Nack News. And it's episode number sixteen. Uh, JT, can you believe? Can you believe it already? It's episode sixteen. Yeah, man, it's gone. Uh, it's been nuts. It's been going pretty, pretty regular. I think the only, I think I missed the week, and we missed the whole week. The one the NFL draft, because you had to work crazy hours. Right, the, the, the NFL draft. Yeah, it was a crazy week, but we're 
here. We got some good news coming to you in a few weeks. Uh, but our show is brought to you by BM Solutions. Evolve or die for your business to grow in the current market. You need to evolve ever changing online market. Sell your business with BM Solutions. We offer high end marketing services that are reasonably priced for medium to small business for the same price point that you currently are spending on traditional dead marketing. BM Solutions, helping your business evolve with the ever changing online marketplace. Visit BrySellsMarketing.com for a free marketing evaluation today. But without further ado, we've been teasing it all night so far on this program. We welcome him to the program now, CJ Simmons. CJ, what's going on? Thanks for calling in. Hey, what's up, guys? How you guys doing? Good, man. Thanks for calling. Yeah, no problem. Do, no problem. We are doing Thanks well. for having me. Oh, anytime. So why don't you give our listeners a little bit of a, a background on... What, uh, what exactly you've been doing career-wise? Um, so I went to uh, NYU for to get my master's in sports business. Uh, I was a marketing uh, concentration there at NYU. And uh, while, while working, while in school, I had a chance to intern at a, a number of different um, New York sports teams and leagues. So I initially interned for the Mets. Um, and their corporate sponsorships uh, department, working on a lot of activations. Then I interned uh, at the Madison Square Garden Company um, while there, also doing activations, but, you know, working with the basketball side with the Knicks and then hockey um, with the Rangers, which gave me just another uh, level of, you know, just depth with my experience. And then uh, I just wanted to take my experience to more of a, a macro level so I interned at uh, Major League Baseball's Office of the Commissioner, um, where we worked on the All-Star Game and different things like that. So that gave me more of an overall view of sports as a whole, just we cared about the league and the health of the league and such. And following that, I, I worked. I had a full-time job with the Yankees, and I was there uh, for a few months and working on their sponsorship um, activations and such. And then I transitioned here. I now work at a Monumental Sports as a manager of strategy and research. So um, more, do, still working with corporate partners, but sort of working with the sales side of it to kind of look at different insights and analytics to see different ways we could, uh, you know, try to sell different sponsorship, um, you know, assets and such. So well, um, that's where uh, I'm at now. Obviously a very uh, well-versed, diverse background. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, the organization that CJ is working for right now, they are the owners of the Washington Wizards and Capitals, correct? Yep, that's correct, and the Mystics. And uh, they, will, they, will, they will own uh, an arena football team um, next year. So obviously a lot of exciting things going on down there in the D.C. area with this company, so you're obviously in a great spot. Uh, but... Real quick, before I really get into the Knicks crannies here with the NBA Finals, um, when I did post the link to your appearance tonight, I did post a picture of you and Spike Lee courtside. Uh, what, was that experience? <laughs> what was that experience like for you? And they said, go bring this uh, Diet Coke over to Spike Lee. <laughs> so it was weird. I actually got in trouble for that. But um, So we, we, it was a, a, a Coca-Cola uh, activation um, that we did at Madison Square Garden where we had to, we pretty much, you know, before major games, we handed out Coca-Cola to people on Celebrity Row. That's what they call it at the, uh, the Garden. And so pretty much it was, a, it was an idea of, if, you know, a celebrity is holding a Coca-Cola, they're drinking it, they're going to be on TV. It kind of gives the, the brand 
um, you know, some, some good exposure. So I think after this game, like Carly Kloss was there and uh, Taylor Swift. So they got caught in a few, um, a, a few different articles about it. Um, so that, that really worked well for us. But the Spike Lee situation, Spike Lee, I went to Morehouse College for undergrad, and Spike Lee is also a graduate of Morehouse College. Spike Lee is also a graduate of NYU, which um, I am as well. But um, so while there, you know, I'm, I'm handed him the Coca-Cola, and I said, hey, you know, Morehouse. I went to Morehouse. So he, he uh, that's kind of in the picture. He looks and stand, he, he stands up like, oh, hey, what's up, man? Like, how you doing? And starts talking to me and starting to ask me questions and want to get into a full conversation. But when this activation happens, it's literally like 30 seconds before the gate, like tip off. So we kind of got to get out there, give him the Coca-Colas, and get off the court. So, I mean, I kind of got in trouble for that because we got in a, I got into like a little bit of a conversation with Spike Lee, just like, you know, just wanted to show him some rapport that we went to the same school, but I guess I talked to him too long. But either way, it was, it was a good photo op. It worked out. And, you know, I mean, you know, I just still want to be friendly to the guy. I mean, we went to the same school. So but that, was a, that was a cool experience. And, um, I mean, I think, I think it worked out for the garden. It worked out for, you know, um, our Coca-Cola. And it worked out just for the partnership uh, department as a whole. Well, definitely, it was probably worth getting in trouble for that. Uh, I'm still out, don't, don't know. I went to we went to grad school together, me and CJ at NYU, and CJ was the master of networking. He actually was told to stop networking by <laughs> former academic chair. He said, "Stop network. Stop trying to make connections." So obviously, obviously, CJ went up with Spike Lee to make some connections. And uh, who did you get to take that picture? Did you say I'm going to go talk to Spike, take a picture of me? No, so uh, so we we have a photographer. Just like most sports teams, there's you pretty much have a photographer that um, that takes pictures, pretty much for the corporate partnership department um, that takes pictures of all the activations that go on. So at the end of the year, when you're doing recaps, or if a partner really wants to say, "Hey, I want to see my my logo on the jumbotron when it was supposed to be on." in the third quarter under the two-minute mark, you know, like we have to right. add these pictures and these images. So with this activation, Coca-Cola wants to see that. So I made sure with this one that the photographer was on my side and, like, was taking the picture. So there's a guy right, right behind me. Um, he actually had to hold the pretty much a tub of the Coca-Colas, and I was just pretty much going in, grabbing it, and passing it out. So he didn't get much exposure you know, in this in this in this um instance, but we other times we switched and I would hold the I would hold the tub and he would pass it out. So I mean it just worked out. I made sure that she was on my side and got some good pictures of me. So I have pictures, like I said, with Taylor Swift and Carly Kloss and um a few other celebs that were there that night. So it just it just kinda worked out. But you know, I'm, yeah, I'm happy you did the definitely, pictures. Yeah. I I like those pictures, like the one Taylor Swift is really cool. Uh but it was great, nice for the photographer to, to give you those photos. Uh, yep. And I know we're, I said we're going to talk about NBA, but you did work at City Field. You're very much into the sports business with the sponsorship and stuff. Uh, what did you? How do you feel about how uh, the Pepsi Porch at Right Field and City Field they dropped their sponsorship after the Mets made it to the World Series, and then Coca-Cola takes it over, makes it the Coca-Cola Corner at City Field. Uh, Guess in the chat writes, "Like Coca-Cola needs more exposure." Uh, so what's your take on that? That was shocking. <laughs> I mean, I, I I didn't I didn't understand it. I mean, it I don't know. I mean, Pepsi Pepsi, if I'm not mistaken, is also a sponsor of the Yankees as well. And I mean, I, I don't I don't know why they would just 
get rid of it. Now, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not in there. I don't know the ins and outs of the situation of the deal. Um, when I was there, I mean, they seem to things seem to be great. I mean, it may, it may be something, you know, dealing with their, their different assets and such that they just, they felt that they weren't, they weren't getting a lot of uh, what they like return on their, on their investment. So, I mean, that's, similar areas that I'm going to be working with, with the analytics and such to figure out these types of things and so you're trying to help the partners. That, that Ray Katz from a million, Ray uh, a million dollar matchmaker <laughs> taught, taught you in class. Wait, what about Ray Katz and a million dollar matchmaker? <laughs> so we had this teacher, Ray Katz, that taught media math. It was all about return, return on investment, ROI. Uh, and uh, he was on Millionaire Matchmaker, uh, Sean Bravo, you heard of that show, JC? John, have you heard of that show? Yeah, Millionaire Matchmaker. That's where uh, rich people go pimp themselves out on TV, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, so much. essentially, like, uh, there'll be two, like, really, like, naughty, stuck up, like, a boy, a guy and a girl, they'll be like, oh, I have all this trouble dating. I don't know why. But throughout the episode, you see why. Well, anyway, our teacher was one of the millionaires that, like, which they set up, they set the contestant on the shop to date with. Uh, it was just really, really weird to see. Uh, surprisingly, yeah. surprisingly, he got a lot of he got a lot of love on the show from the girl that he was dating. He got the single yeah, date. He was the final from date. The girl. Yeah. She flew him out to AC on a helicopter, but she brought along her like gay best friend. So it was a little weird, a little weird date, but uh, nonetheless. Uh, yeah. So, so, yeah, let's get talking NBA. But, again, we do have a call yeah. from Southern California here. I'm assuming uh, I'm assuming that maybe you know them. I don't know. Let's see. Let them, we have them before. They weren't there. But we'll meet them again to see if they are there this time. Caller in Southern California. What's your name? What's going on? All right, nothing but silence over there. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's Snoop Dogg listening, and he's just a little preoccupied. I don't know. All right, so let's get into let's get into the finals here. Game six tomorrow night, coming off a historic performance where, for the first time in finals history, two teammates combined for 40 points each, or 80 points, 40 points each. Um, Kyrie Irving had his game of his career. Uh, LeBron James, you know, people. Just take him for granted. That was one of his best games ever. He had zero assists in the first half. Ended up with seven, I believe. 41 points, over 16 rebounds. Uh, but game six tomorrow night, back in Cleveland. Will the, will the series end tomorrow night? Um, yeah, I I say I say it does. You know, I so here's the thing that I've noticed about Golden State. I, I I've watched a lot of their games. I had league pass uh, this year, so I, I just once the Knicks kind of, you know, tanked, I kind of start watching a lot of Golden State games, um, especially since they were going for the record um, late in the season. I think that I mean just how they've been played in the playoffs. They just get too complacent, and they I don't know if they I feel like they have to be, you know, either under the gun in order for them to play a lot better or to play like we expect them to play. And I think now I don't feel like they're under the gun yet. I mean, things are getting a little bit more serious. I mean, they still have two games, you know, to play potentially, but I think this is a serious game for them. And I think they'll, they'll come out and I don't think, I don't think they're going to blow them out. I think it'll be a game like game four. There was just game five. So game four 
where it was pretty close and Golden State pulls it off at the end. Um, but I think they're going to come out with a sense of urgency. And I, I think, you know, obviously Cleveland will as well. I think I just think Golden State will be able to, you know, handle that first punch that uh, Cleveland will come out with and be able to close it out at the end. Um, well, so on our show two weeks ago, I want to say, right, John, we gave our prediction. I said, have a, I said uh, the Warriors would win in six. I said the X factor would be uh, Kyrie Irving and J.R. Smith's defense. And most of the, for the most part, it has. Uh, JT, I think you said Cavs in seven. X Factor is LeBron just being insane. Is that correct? Yeah, I thought um, I thought that LeBron would just like go go nuts. Um, you know, Green's pretty much you know sort of uh, locked not locked down. You can't never lock him down, but you know, really uh, neutralized to a point. And the one game that he suspended, boom, he got forty. Right. Right. So we have a question in the chat. It said. Uh, well, first, a comment. Jr. is trash. Definitely agree with that. Uh, do you think Draymond was suspended by the league just to extend the series? So essentially, what they're saying is, if this was a tie series, a tie series, would he have even been suspended? So I'll let you take that one, CJ. Um, if, if it was a tie series, no, I don't think he would have been suspended. I mean, I think I think uh, the scuffle that he had with LeBron was. I mean, it was minor in comparison. I mean, even for the new rules that the NBA has now, it's still pretty minor. I mean, no one, you know, had their hands up and was about to fight. I mean, he, he did flail his arm at him, but it was not intentional. It wasn't intentional to hit him in the groin. He just was trying to get him off of his head. And so I think the, the, the kick to um, Adams, you know, in, with, in the Oklahoma City uh, series, that was way worse than this. Um, and I think that they did it that they didn't suspend him then because they knew, all right, we, well, I mean, it's somewhat favoritism to the team because they were the champions, but, but they wanted that series as well to go, to go further. So I think this in the reverse, in the reverse sense that they felt that they wanted Cleveland not to just get blown out. I mean, the theories, the theories go all the way back to, you know, the, uh, um, the Lakers and I'll forget the year 2000, I think, or 2001, where they were, they were sweeping at all the teams. They just kept sweep, sweep, sweep. And then when they played um, the Sixers, the Sixers won the first game. And then the Lakers won the next four. But, um, you know, I mean, there was theories that the NBA, the only reason why the Sixers won that game was because the NBA was just losing so much money with the Lakers sweeping everybody. And, I mean, the Cavs, what, first two rounds? I mean, they just were going through teams. So, I, I don't know. I just, I just, think, I just think the NBA – uh, did this to extend the series, honestly. The, the NBA suspension history in the playoffs is ridiculous. The, the Phoenix Suns were uh, one less of my cinema or step away from being in the NBA Finals. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Draymond Green, like, was hit, like, got up on J.R. Smith, for instance, or Richard Jefferson, no one would have cared. Nobody would have made a big deal. And I agree with Charles Barkley. And JC, I know you love Charles Barkley, so maybe you can chime in on this. But he said, you know, if, if a man walks over you like that and disrespects you, you better get up as fast as you can because the only place you can go is right there in the groin area. Um, he should have stood and punched LeBron in his fucking face. But uh, <laughs> um, the idea that he got suspended over that is nonsense. Like, that's nothing. Like, I, you see stuff that's way worse than that. Like, if it was really that bad, how come we didn't get a flavor or two right then and there? Like, uh, it just seemed like it 
seems like the NBA was just sort of like, uh, people think this is boring. Let's give LeBron an extra chance. Let's uh, let's get the series going. Yeah, yeah so, I totally agree. Uh, back, and then we back to the chat here. We got some more comments. Can LeBron score 30 on Draymond Green? And then a follow-up to that comment by uh, another person is, the Cavs will be hard-pressed to get some performances from LeBron and Irving again. So, uh, CJ, what do you think about those, those comments? I think you'll probably agree with those uh, comments. So, I, I, have this, I have an answer for the second one, but the first one was, what was the first one? Can, 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 can LeBron score 30 on Draymond Green? Oh, I mean, of course. He, yes, he, he can score 30 on Draymond Green. I, I, but I don't think that Draymond Green is also the one that solely guards him. I mean, they, they, they have a lot of switching on picks, and, you know, it's Iguodala, it's Livingston, it's uh, Clay. I mean, sometimes Steph is even guarding LeBron, you know. So they, they do a lot of switching. So I don't think it's just Draymond. But either way, I think LeBron could score 30 on anybody if he, you know, if he sort of puts his mind to it, if he gets mad you know, like he did in the, the that Boston series when they were down um, 3-2. But, so, yes, he can. Um, as far as the other question um, or, or the other comment about Kyrie and LeBron having to have a game like that, I mean, they won. I mean, they won by 15 points, but they had to put – two players had to put up 40. You know, I mean, they had to put up a, a major game, and they won by 15. I mean, the game, the game was still fairly close throughout the last – I mean, not close, but – it was close, I think, early in the fourth quarter or late in the third quarter. And then, I mean, Cleveland got a little bit of a lead. But Golden State was still kind of in it. Then it just, when Kyrie hit that last three, it kind of got a little bit too high, and then it was pretty much game over. But, I mean, I didn't feel like Golden State got blown out that game with an amazing performance like that. I mean, when, when, when Steph Curry and Clay put up huge numbers, I mean, they went big. So I think, I think, I think that the Cavs have to have an amazing game with two of the both of their players like playing out of their minds, historic numbers for them to beat the Warriors by even a small margin. I mean, they did win. They did win Game Three by a large margin. I just think Golden State. I mean, Golden State had a bad game that game, but Cleveland definitely came out to play. But I think in general, as an overall series, that Cleveland would have to play an exceptional game for them to beat um, Golden State if Golden State plays, you know, a pretty good game. So. Um, I think I guess I'm agreeing with the comment that they, they that Cleveland won't do something like that again uh, if that's what the comment said. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think I, the thing about this, this series so far is obviously Clay Thompson had a great games the other night, but hasn't been one game yet where the Splash Brothers have been the Splash Brothers, and yet the Warriors still have a three-two lead. You know, if the Splash Brothers are the Splash Brothers. Uh, and, and the more and the, the Cavaliers, they have two terrible defenders guarding them. Sarah Smith can't play a look at defense, and Kyrie Irving can't play much defense either. So I don't see how they could stop Kyrie Thompson if both of those guys show up and just start draining the threes tomorrow night. So I, I, I agree with that. I think the other part or the other, which I don't think was said, is the other X factor is, which other player on Golden State will have a will have a a solid game? They don't have to put up huge numbers like Livingston did, I think, in Game One. But who will have a solid game? Most of the time, it's been Draymond. The first game was Livingston. Sometimes it's Iguodala. I mean, you know, it, it could be Barbosa could have a pretty good game. Harrison Barnes. I mean, what happened to him? I mean, I think early in the series he was playing pretty well, but 
he didn't play that good this last game. So I mean, they have a lot. They have a lot of other players who could have solid games, and I think that they'll need that uh, this upcoming game to win. They don't need Stephen Clay to go off. I mean, they can go off, but if they just have their their role players or Draymond isn't that much a role player, but whatever. If Draymond comes out with the energy, it just needs someone else to play a solid game, and I think they'll I think they'll win it. I think they'll be fine. I definitely agree. Uh, someone that won't be making an impact is Andrew Bogut, who is done for the season now. I know. Series. Uh, I like Bogut. He's a really undervalued big guy. You think that'll have any outcome on this on the series? Because most of the time the Warriors are going small anyway. Agreed. All right. And uh, despite the fact that uh, Mike Greenberg on Mike and Mike this morning said that this is the first time there's been a repeat uh, finals series since the Jazz and Bulls played two times in a row and completely forgotten about the Spurs and the Heat when talking to the New York Knicks head coach. Uh, so despite the fact that it's the third time that there's been a finals rematch, and you can think finals rematch, thought the entry. I really can't remember a worse final in like recent history. Uh, for the most part, none of these games have really been close at all. Do you remember any other final series like this? Um, I can't remember what that Lakers uh, Sixers series is like. I mean, the first game was obviously close, and the AI step over Tyron Lue. But the other games, I don't really remember. I just feel like, you know, uh, um, the Lakers are too good for them. Now, there were other series around that time. I think when the Lakers and Nets, I, I can't really remember that series a lot either. I, if, I, if that was who they played, I can't remember. I mean, some of those series are just were – they just weren't that good. You know, now I don't know if the game – I can't remember if the games are closer now. I just know that as an overall series, they just weren't that good. But – you might be right. You might be right. But this year, there's been so many more, so many more blowouts just in the playoffs as a whole. I, I can't remember the number, 38? I, I think that's the number of blowouts that there's been in the playoffs. Um, and when I checked, I think we talked about this with some of my friends last week. That's just, I mean, we were watching games the first round just like, oh, man, I'll just turn this game off, wait to the next yeah. game, turn this game off, wait to the next game. The playoffs as a whole has been that way. These NBA finals have been. They were just terrible. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And, you know, if, if the Clippers don't get hurt, then, you know, the, the Blazers don't even get out of the first round. But uh, something needs to be done in the NBA. I think the first round needs to be best of five. So then you actually be like, oh, wow. Uh, no, maybe this team's up to two wins. They're one win away. Instead of like, oh, they got two wins, but they're the eighth seed. They have no shot. Um, yeah, I mean, five, five games would do it. But what do, you, what do you think about, you know, the – I mean, this has been talk about the, the playoffs um, pretty much standings are just based off of record and not based off of conference. I mean, do you think that would have a, a bigger effect on, you know, the, the quality of the game? So where – I mean, it still would be top three or four. I think Golden State would still be one. San Antonio would be two. Um. Who was three? Oklahoma City? I think – I'm not sure what their record versus Cleveland, but then you just go down from there, you know, based off a of record and each team playing the other team. Do you think that would make a, a better uh, playoff series? I, I mean, probably, but 
that really, really devalued the regular season. The regular season as it is is too long. Uh, what I would propose is uh, somehow with, like, the last four teams, so the top four teams that each conference are in, then the, the last four teams have to, like, somehow have, like, even, like, a sudden best one, best one game or a quick two out of three series to determine, you know, what teams are getting in or something that is intrigue to the first round. Because the first round is just so hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it's, just, it's just teams are just so much better. I mean, Golden State, I mean, the top, the top tier of the NBA has just been so, it's just so much better than the bottom tier, you know, and that, I think that really, I mean, that really had a, you know, made a major difference in, you know, what what the outcomes were for these games. It was just terrible. I mean, it was just so bad. It was so, so bad. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, unlike in the other, unlike in other leagues where, uh, you know, in the NFL, there's great parity. Anybody can win out a year except the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and the MLB, when anyone can win out a year, and NHL, where the one the top team never rarely wins, you know where that was the Capitals. Uh, there's no parity in the NBA. What, what right. could be done to fix that? What could be done to fix the parity? Well, I think I think I think part of it is this, and this is this is a deeper topic, and we could go on about this forever. It's really come to a lot of, I mean, the way that free agency is gone now, I mean, with people joining up with teams, I mean, the whole, let's look at the whole Miami Heat situation when LeBron and Bosh teamed up with, um, with D-Wade. I mean, that was huge, you know. I mean, the, the Raptors went down, the, the Cavs went down, and the Heat just, you know, went up. And that was like a power team. So, but it devalued two other, other teams that were still good teams, you know, in the East. So that's, that's one part of team, people teaming up with other, you know, great teams, Aldridge with, uh, you know, the Spurs and such. So that's part of it. The other part of it is just I don't know what just happened to the talent of younger players. I don't know if it's been social media. I don't know if there's just been players coming out and not actually being as aggressive or, like, hungry as the players when we were growing up. I mean, you look at the players that come into the league now, and they're just – I just don't feel like they're as good as the players that came out in the 90s or in the early 2000s. They're just, they're just not that good. I mean, you can, look, you can look back at the top ten picks and look at some of these players. I mean, we, we, like I said, this could be a whole – it's probably a whole other topic to have another day and to literally look at names and such. But you can look at the, you can look at the name, look at the numbers of, you know, the, the draft, how, how these players are drafted. They're not that good. These players are not that good, and they're barely – some of these players are barely becoming all-stars, more or less superstars. That's just not happening. It's just not. Um, and I, I don't yeah, – I just think a, a lot of people are coming out as not as good today as they are expected to be. Yeah, I don't know what the percentage would be, but I would assume that the NBA, as compared to other leagues, the percentage of, you know, top picks, there's more bucks in the NBA than any other league. Uh, really, if you look at it now, like outside the top four or five, you're really not getting a starter in the NBA draft anymore. And maybe you said something there, and it's because of the social media and the media nowadays that these players get so hyped up. You know, you're on Twitter, they're 
posted memes to them, vines, and ESPN covers them like crazy. And then, you know, people just, they don't live up to expectations because you look at them like, well, doing these crazy things in college, but then the pros, they can't. Uh, the NBA draft is in two weeks. Uh, the top pick is probably going to be Ben Simmons. Uh, is he going to be good? I don't know. There's, been, there's a lot of hype around him. Uh, I know you follow college basketball a little bit closer than I do, but, you know, shouldn't the best player in the, in, in the NCAA be at least able to get his team into the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I mean, totally agree. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not that big of a Ben Simmons fan. I've seen him play a few games, and I've, I mean, he can play, but I wouldn't put him as number one. Uh, the dude from Duke, I would put as number one. I mean, that guy, uh, Ingram, I think his name might be. It escapes me at this moment, but um, yeah, Ingram, he can play. That dude, to me, I see as a young Kevin Durant. Now, Kevin Durant, I think had more of a, he had more of a killer instinct slash more of a green light. At Texas, and Ingram, no people. I mean, look at Kyrie. Kyrie was, you know, shackled at Duke. Ingram is shackled at Duke. Duke just doesn't let players just go out there and you know put up fifty. I mean, that's just not that's just not that's not how the program works. But I, mean, I, I think I, this dude can come out and he can really, really play. So um, we'll I, see. I, I we'll be, see what happens. I, be, well, I would stay away from Duke players because I mean, yeah, Kyrie can score or whatever, but he's got a lot of flaws in his game, and these Duke players. Just don't seem to translate into the pros, in my opinion. Uh, but the player that I'm very high on, obviously, and I don't know why you know these scouts aren't too high on this guy, is the best shooter in the draft. He shot, he made 80 of 103 point attempts at his uh, practice with the Boston Celtics the other day, and that's Buddy Heels from Oklahoma. And yeah, he might say he's undersized. Uh, but he could shoot, and you know who else is undersized that could shoot? Steph Curry. So I don't know why nobody would consider Buddy Heald for a top three pick. I, I like I like Buddy Heald, and I've seen him play in big games and, and play tough in big games and lead his team in big games. I think he's going to be a good player. I think I just have him in the same realm as Justice Winslow. I think he'll be good. I just don't know if he'll he'll come off and be all star slash superstar. He won't be a bust. He won't be a bum. He just has too much pride and too much gain to be a bust. But I'm just not sure he'll he'll like be amazing. I think Ingram has the potential to be amazing. Buddy Hill just I think he's just gonna be really, really good. I mean he could play D, he could score, he could shoot. I mean, he hustles. He's a leader. He's going to be – I think he has all of that. Now, if he went to a good, good enough system, man, I mean, he, I think he really will flourish. But I just don't know if he's going to be that superstar. I, I just I, – I don't know. But he, he does have the, those, those attributes that, he, that you said. And he's done it on the big stage, you know. So, we'll see. I like, I like Buddy Hill. But right. I'm, I'm not with Ben Simmons. I don't like his attitude. I, I just don't like – what he did, he didn't do it on a big enough stage that I felt like his team was not good. I mean, I just, I just can't, I can't, I can't, I can't go for a guy like that. You're gonna be number one pick, and like you said, you don't even lead your team, you know, to like greatness. Nah, I just, I just. Well, the only I thing can't. I'll say about Ben Simmons is, uh, you know, I like his game because he, unlike basically every player in college, 
He's a pass-first guy. He's all about rebounding. So what he needed to realize, which he didn't, is that your team is not good enough. You don't have to pass as much. Just start scoring. Uh, from what I've read and what I've heard, he's gonna. He's like he's he's like, he's like a Magic Johnson type, where this guy's six ten. He's got ball handling skills of a point guard. He's a pass-first guy, um, but. He doesn't have an outside shot, really, but enough to work on that. So you never really know what these these picks until a couple of years down the road. Um, but one city who is going to not care about not going to care about the draft at all is New York. <laughs> the Knicks have no picks, so turn the page, and it's all about free agency. Uh, the biggest free agent on the market, obviously Kevin Durant. You take Kevin Durant and you put him in the Eastern Conference, put him on the Celtics, put him on the Raptors. Uh, they're in the finals right now instead of the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers are in the finals for one reason and one reason only, LeBron. Without LeBron James, all the, the Cavs are, are they're not in the playoffs probably. The, um, parody, the parody would be a lot, a lot deeper if, the, if they didn't have LeBron. I mean, you. Don't, I don't know who would make the finals, honestly. I mean, it's it's a toss-up. Right. So, obviously, if you're Durant, uh, and you want to make it to the finals, you were the second-best team, really, in the league this year. Uh, I think they could all agree the Thunder are better than the, the Cavs. Uh, but, you know, you want to make it to the finals, you want to win. But you got a huge roadblock in your in the water. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, do you join them? Probably not, because you want to be the man still. So your best bet to get to the championship easy is to go to the East. Heck, you put him on the Knicks, which probably isn't going to happen. I'd love it to happen. And there in the Eastern Conference Finals, taking on LeBron and the Cavs, you know, like I said, you put on the Celtics or the Raptors, they're in the finals. So what do you see Durant doing? Do you think he's going to leave and go somewhere? Do you think he's going to sign a one-year deal and then wait till next season to see what Westbrook wants to do, and they can go somewhere together, or do you think he's going to go for a max deal right now with the Thunder? Um, I think I think he stays one year, and I think he only goes for one year contracts from here on out. I mean, he is. I mean, similar to LeBron, LeBron or LeBron. So I guess he signs two year contracts with a one year opt out, whatever. So um, I think he stays. Honestly, I think I think he's on the third best team. Arguably, I would say the second best team in the league after Golden State. You're right there. You're you're close enough. I mean, the grass is not always greener on the other side. Uh, so you know, you have a system. You have a good coach. Billy Donovan is. I mean, he he showed he. I'm, I'm surprised by him. Excellent coach. Yeah, I'm surprised by what he's done in his first season. You know, so I mean, I I think you have a good coach. You have another superstar on your team. You have some players that you've known over time, you've built some rapport with. I mean, you have all that stuff. You have a city that loves you. You've been there. I mean, you're the second, second, third best team in the league. You're right there. You had the, the team that potentially may win a championship on the ropes, 3-1. You're just, you know, you're right there. So I think he's going to stay one year, just keep signing those one-year contracts. He already has so much money from Nike, I mean, endorsement deals and such. I think it's in his best interest. Now, I mean, even financially to stay with the team that he's on. Um, but I don't think he goes anywhere. I would, and I mean, 
I would love for him to come to the Knicks. Believe, I mean, that would, man, that would that would be amazing. I mean, with all this OJ stuff that's on ESPN now and, you know, the Bronco chase and the Knicks are in the finals, I mean, just thinking about that seems like ages ago, you know? So um, a having a guy ago. like that, I mean, it, it was a long time ago. But, I mean, I would love to have a guy like him. We'll see what happens in free agency. But, I, but if, I, if I had to hedge my bets, I would say that he stays and signs uh, a really short, uh, a really short uh, contract deal, and um, you know then he does that for the rest of his career. He's too, he's too much of a two star that he's going to be able to do that, you know, going going forward. So, well, I think that uh, Christoph Porzingis, Carmelo Anthony, Kevin Durant, Joe Kim Noah, Rajon Rondo—that sounds like an NBA champion. Great, got to get that done. Uh, we have a comment in the chat and. Saying Durant is going home to D.C. Oh, I, I don't see him playing for the Wizards at all. No, no, not at all. Listen, the guy doesn't really like the media, so what's the point of going to a big market that's going to, the media is going to harass him? Oklahoma City, he has a rapport. He can kind of do what he wants. Like, why, why change? What's better, what's better in D.C. or New York? Like, if he plays in New York and he, uh, he shoots three for 19 one night, the media is going to bash him. Why, why bother? Why, like, why come here? So he can fight with, with Melo over the ball? It doesn't make sense. It just stay there. It, you know, if I were John Wall in, in, in D.C. over whose team it is, why would he go there? Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of John Wall at all, but that's a discussion for another time. Uh, but, yeah, so I think we're all in agreement here. Uh, they, 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 the Cavs are going to lose. So, Brian James is a free agent again. What's he going to do? <laughs> if, you, if you LeBron, and obviously most – He's probably going to do another one-year deal. Um, so the next year when the new CBA kicks in, he'd get paid big time. Would you consider leaving Cleveland? No. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I, think, I, think the, I think the hit for his career would be too um, – it would be too bad if he left Cleveland again. I mean, I, I think he also promised them that he would bring a ring. And with that, I think he has to stay. And it's similar, it's similar situation with Kevin Durant, like I just said. You're right there. You're right there. I mean, one team cannot derail your entire existence. I mean, I, I guess it's derail. I mean, the Bulls derail a lot of people's existence, but they kept coming back, kept trying, and the Bulls just kept, you know, succeeding, succeeding, succeeding. But, I mean, LeBron has to think, man, we, we're, we're right there. We're one step away. We're one player away, we're going to probably get rid of JR and probably get rid of Shumpert and all of these yeah, bums, I you mean, know, if so. you get rid of JR and uh, you, you, your chances are much better uh, but uh, I want to hear uh, JT's take on this because uh, I don't know I feel like you might, if you were a LeBron you might say eh, try, I'm leaving I could always come back again you can't, I'm telling you the, the, the heat LeBron guy for leaving leaving uh, Cleveland was too much, man. It, it was so much that he, he ended up going back. He can't, he's never going to leave again. Um, the only way he can leave again is after he wins and, you know, Cleveland doesn't want to pay him. Like, Cleveland doesn't want him. If Cleveland wants him, he has to stay or the fans will kill him. And you could obviously tell the guy cares. You know, he, he likes being in movies. He likes sort of his after basketball life. Um, he's trying to set that up. He likes being likable. He doesn't like being the bad guy. And uh, if he leaves Cleveland, he's a bad guy. 
It's just the way it is. Uh, I agree. And I, and I don't, I also, I, I 100% agree with that. I would just add one other point. Where would he go? I mean, he's going to go back to Miami? I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know other places that for these guys to go where it would just be a, not only a good fit for them, but that they'll also win. I mean, Miami? You know what's know what a fit for LeBron? Los Angeles. Not the Lakers, though, the Clippers. Um, well, they got, they got to clear out some cap space. Let's see right. play the, but, play the salary. Uh, but if I'm, if I'm LeBron, if I'm GM LeBron, um, you know, I'm, the first thing I'm doing after the season is get rid of JR. The second <laughs> thing I'm doing is I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trading Kyrie Irving to the Clippers for Chris Paul. Um, wow. Because Chris Paul would be a much better complement to that team. Because Kyrie needs the ball, he needs to be scoring to get involved. Chris Paul needs to score. Chris Paul is maybe maybe one of the best, maybe the best point guard of all time, or the best, in our generation, one of the best I've ever seen. Definitely assist wise, plays great defense. Chris Paul can get Kevin Love involved. He can he can take some pressure off LeBron having to distribute the ball. I don't know if it's realistic at all, but Chris Paul's a free agent for next year. There's been reports the Clippers aren't going to be able to re-sign him. So, I don't know. I think if the Cavs had Chris Paul, they'd be much better off than with Kyrie Irving. That's a tough one because I just don't know if it's Kyrie Irving's fault. Like, I think it's more... I mean, I think Kevin Love is more so taking a lot of money away from the team. That they could have a better player, better big man for, you know, for on a team than Kevin Love. Now, if you switch, if you were to get uh, Chris Paul, I think he definitely makes the team a little bit more balanced. I, I would agree with that, you know, of having a tra- more of a traditional point guard and, you know, floor general. I, don't, I, I just don't know if that, but if he gets them over the hump of Golden State, but I, w- I would agree with that. I think they would be a better team. Just don't know how much better. And I also don't think that a deal like that would actually happen. Um, more so, I mean, I guess Kyrie's injury woes and such, and I just don't know if the Clippers are trying to get rid of him due to the chance that they – I mean, they, we, didn't know, we don't know what they could have done this year. Injuries really messed them up, so that kind of derailed their, uh, their, playoff, their playoff aspirations. Now, assuming Cleveland lose, loses the finals, um, you know, let's fast forward to February of 2017. The Cavs are in first place. Do they fire Tyron Lue? <laughs> if they lose the finals this year? If they lose the finals this year and are in first place at the All-Star break next year, do they do what they did to Black? And that was despicable how they did that. That's really unfair. Black deserves to be a coach in the NBA. Uh, did they fire Tyron Lowe with Cavs being in first place in the East next year at the All-Star break? I don't think so. I think I think a lot of uh, Black – I think Black got a bad rap, mostly because he was unknown. No one knew who he was. And whenever someone is, a, I guess, a pretty good coach with LeBron, they don't get enough respect because it's always LeBron. It's just, you, you have LeBron. He's doing everything. So I think, he's just got a, I think he's just got a bad rap, honestly, and, and because of where he came from. Tyron Lue, I think he's 
more respected. The players respect him more. I don't think I don't think that they'll they'll let Tyron Lue go. Um, but he's gonna have to get a he's gonna have to get a ring. I mean, you gotta at least do what Black was doing, if not more. So we'll see. But I, I my answer would be no. They don't they don't get rid of Tyron Lue because well, he's a little bit more respected. Al Iverson doesn't respect Tyron Lue, but if David Black could get fired for going to the finals in his first year as a coach and then being in first place in the East at the All-Star break, then Tyron Lue should be fired too. The Cavs should be out of excuses, though. It has nothing to do with the coach. In basketball, a coach can make a difference on a great team uh, if it's a good coach, but the Cavs, I wouldn't really consider a great team. I just could say they have a great player. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens there in Cleveland in the offseason. Who knows? Maybe LeBron says, uh, no, Carmelo, you got to get over here. So let's talk next. Um, obviously, have a lot of needs, but let's start off with the biggest need, which I think it's been a need now for like 16 years. I just don't want to address it. Actually, they did address this for a brief period of time when they got Chauncey Billups, but then they amnesty him for no reason. Uh, they need a point guard. Now, we got some absolute idiots in the chat here saying, let's trade for Derrick Rose. No, we don't need a guy with glass knees and ankles who was never on the court. He'd be awesome. <laughs> so, let's talk realistic options here for point guards. Uh, what, what are you thinking here? What are you thinking here, CJ? And the, the crazy thing is we got we got Grant on the roster, and they didn't they didn't refuse to play him. And it seems like the Knicks are very very happy with Jose Calderon. Um, Jose Calderon is a bum. Um, and Jose Calderon, I mean, if the Knicks just get rid of him, I think that would be a success at point guard. Now, I think the Knicks have to address you said the point guard issue. Now, Jeff Teague. I like Jeff Teague, man. I, I think, you know, if the Knicks can get Jeff Teague, that'll that'll be that'll be a big plus. I, I like Rondo. I don't know if Rondo is leaving. A lot of people don't like Rondo. A lot of people don't like his attitude. I mean, he does have a bad attitude and what he and what happened to him, you know, last season was, was rough, you know. Um but I like Rondo, man. I think the Knicks need a a point guard like him to control the pace, control the offense, and for him to bring the ball up, not mellow. Um, so yeah, that's the big issue. That uh, and this is like going back to the J.R. Smith days, where J.R. Smith for some reason would be like, oh, "I'm going to take the ball off the court, and I'm not going to pass." Like, no, he needs like somebody to bring the ball off the court and pass it to Carmelo. And get the, that's how the offense gets moving when you're catching the ball, not dribbling the ball. Uh, Rondo, I think, is who the Knicks should target. I don't know if they will, but John, I know you like Rondo a lot, right? Big, big, big Rondo fan. Uh, the guy plays great D, and you know I, his. But the the knock against him is that he doesn't have a jump shot, which I love. Don't shoot the jump shot. You know, even good jump shot shooters don't shoot high percentage. You know, unless your name is Steph Curry. So um, you know, guards who who want to penetrate and want to dish, that's what I want. Especially when you have someone who's playing the three and four and, and Melo who wants to score, then fine. Get your two get your two guards to really, you know, look past first. I think we should, uh, you know, go sign go sign uh, Rondo to be the point guard because you know, he'll keep the ball away from 
Carmelo so it doesn't become ISO ball again. And then, um, you know, I think our shooting guard that we should run should be, you know, a uh, defense first, like an outside defender. And then, you know, sign somebody else to become my uh, scorer off the bench. So so I'll, I'll say this. I'll throw this name out there, and what do you guys think about this? Jeremy Lin. Absolutely. Sign up. Let's do it. I mean, the guy averaged like 14 points a game off the bench last season or something like that. Uh, He's a scorer. He loves New York. But the thing, I think he's going to end up in Brooklyn, actually, because their head coach was the Knicks assistant coach during the Saturday. uh, And Jeremy credits him so much. But, uh, But I think the Knicks should. So after Jeremy Lin, I think John, you'd agree, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I not even not necessarily that Jeremy Lin needs to become the starting point guard. Um, I want I want a second unit that has a scoring option because I I find a lot in the, the couple of Knicks games that I did watch this year and a couple that I went to is as soon as um, Porzingis or Melo's not on the court, the ball just there's no one else to score. A follow can't you know he's a nice little piece or whatever, but he's not really like a a scoring option. We need a right. second scoring option. Right. Um, I, I would say the other thing about the Knicks and free agency, though, and the, and even as backup, they need to re-sign Lance Thomas. And I think the games that, similarly, like you said, games that I watched, I didn't, I didn't attend any games. I just kind of you know, see it being worth attending Knicks games. But the games <laughs> that I did watch, um, Lance Thomas, man, this guy – I mean, he's he's not he's not going to hurt your salary cap. He plays defense. I mean, I think he shot forty percent or greater from the three point line. He hustles. I mean, this guy is he 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 hits free throws. He's he's just a solid basketball player with high IQ. The Knicks need to resign this man. I mean, it, it's just it's just someone that he's not going to be like like you're saying the difference maker or the one that's scoring all the points in the second lineup. But he's going to be that guy that you know will be out there playing hard. And that's, and that's the Knicks need. They need a solid team of players that play hard, people that are scorers, people that know their role. And I think Lance Thomas is one of those guys that just fits into the old New York, you know, feeling of toughness and, you know, hustling and just doing what you got to do to win. And he's smart. He's a smart player. And there's not a yeah, lot of need, smart players in the league need, anymore. If you look at the Knicks' success, uh, or for you know, a couple of years ago now, it's all because Melo didn't have to be the locker room leader. They need to get some crafty vets in there, you know, like like uh, Thomas, like Rasheed Wallace, like those got Marcus Camby. Those guys are leaders. They cut the team in half, and they need to get these crafty veterans who are about not we're all about the team first. Uh, uh, you know, I'm sure the burning question on everyone's mind is. Will Will Lou Lou Amundsen, who actually was at me and uh, CJ's fall uh, graduation ceremony for some reason, he came to the ceremony. Lou Amundsen, if you remember that, CJ, if he gets to be back, it's a joke. But yeah, he was he was at our ceremony. Uh, he was. Oh, no, remember, oh. remember the guy that looked some guy looked just like yeah. him. But, uh, yeah, right, right, right. I remember you said that. I remember you said that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Um, Lou Amundsen, I don't, I don't think so. I, I'm, I'm. I'm not a big Lou nah. Robinson fan, honestly. No, he's, like, he's, I, not, he's not. He's not any good, really. But, you know, like I said, you need these team first guys. So, so this, this this guy that I'm about to mention, they should stay away from. But 
I really wouldn't be that surprised if somehow he ended up a Nick. And that's Dwight Howard. What do you think? Man, you know, a few years ago, I really wanted the Nick to get Dwight Howard. Like, you know, I, I I was out one time. I was at a club, and he was actually coming in the club. I have a picture of him in the club. And five um, people said, man, come to the Knicks, come to the Knicks. And um, I really wanted him a few years ago. But, man, he's going off tremendously. And I think Robin Lopez, I don't know how much he had to me with his salary cap number. If he was coming in and getting paid like, you know, Lou Robinson or Lance Thomas, sure, I would say like, he's going to want, he's going to want so much more hits to our salary cap. I'd rather, I'd, rather put, I'd rather put so much money towards getting a good point guard. Give that to T. Give that to Rondo. We need that money for a point guard. And just like you said, with Melo and, like, having someone there. I mean, when we, was, when we were good, we had Jason Kidd. We had uh, Billups. We had, and then we had the veterans as well, but we had good point guards. And this is a point guard type of league. Point guards Absolutely. are driving this league now. So we need a point guard. We don't need another big man. I think Robin Lopez has played, I mean, he's, he's surpassed my expectations, honestly. He's played really well and he's played hard. We don't know how many need Dwight. We need a point guard. Give that money that you would get Dwight to a point guard. I don't believe the bank on a point guard. That's how I feel. I think there's one big guy really worth going after because he's all about the defense and rebounding, and that's uh, a guy that isn't happy where he is right now. He said he's probably going to sign elsewhere, and that's Joe Kim Noah. How would you feel about him joining the Knicks roster? Joe Kim Noah is from, if I'm not mistaken, from Queens, um, and he's from New York. Uh, Joe Kim Noah uh, plays hard. He has, like, the same 90s type of attitude that the Knicks had, hustles, tough play. I would love Joe Kim Noah. Um, I mean, I I would have no I, – I would love Joe Kim Noah. And he, I don't think he's asking for the money that Dwight Howard would be asking for. No. Either. No. Because he's not a scorer, really. Uh, I'd love for him to be a Nick. You know, like you said, he has a hometown connection there. But I think he's going to end up with his college coach where he won back-to-back national championships at Florida. That's with Billy Donovan in Oklahoma City. And I think he can put them over the top if Durant stays there. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually really smart. That would, be, that would be huge for them. That would be smart, and it would be huge. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm interested to see Phil, you know, earn his contract. I mean, he needs to he needs to do something. I think he made some good changes, and we got some good players, but we got to get a good free agent. I mean, he got Porzingis, and that was I, you know, I was against that. I, honestly, I I'm shocked at how good Porzingis is. So I mean, he proved me wrong there. But now it's time to get it's now it's time to draw some names in free agency. And Joakim Noah would be a, a pretty good name. I think a lot of people would feel good about that. We know right. he would go out there and play hard. Right. Uh, and, CJ, you know, thanks for coming on. We kept you over 50 minutes so far. So uh, I'll let you get out of here on this. I'm just going to name a, a few key free agents here. Let me know if you think anything would be a good fit with the Knicks. These guys are either unrestricted free agents or they are have a player option and are likely to decline to get more money. So I'm just going to okay. roll off at once, and then you let me know what you think. Uh, we got um, Jeff Green, uh, Campbell Parsons. Uh, we already mentioned Joe Kim Noah, uh, Al Jefferson, 
uh, Nicholas Batum and uh, Pau Gasol. Uh, I think any of those guys could be a fit with the Knicks. And also Al Hawford and Mike Conley. Um, I like Mike Conley. I like Mike Conley a lot. Uh, that's the, that's the other person I would think that would be good fit for us, like outside of T. I like him and Batum. A lot of there's been a lot of talk about Batum, and I think Phil liking Batum and how he he could add to to the game. He plays pretty good defense. He could shoot. Um, I think those two players off of that list are players that I would really want. And I, I, I'm really I'm really high on Conley. I'm really high on good solid point guards. Honestly, anyone else, I think they could fit in and we'll we'll make it work. But Conley off of that list is who I would want the most. All right, excellent stuff. So, CJ, uh, we just want to thank you very much for coming on our show. We'll definitely have to do it again sometime, maybe uh, maybe next next month when we're in the, the middle of uh, NBA free agency, which is really strange to say, but I really think July is the best month of the year in the NBA. With all the deals going on, and, you know, every after what happened with DeAndre Jordan last year, which is insane. So, right. uh you know, uh, if anyone wants to uh, follow uh, or, you know, keep up to date with whatever series we have to talk about in sports now, why don't you tell everybody where they can find your uh, Facebook and Twitter pages? Um, yeah, so my, my Twitter page is uh, Sports by CJ, um, C, letter C and J. And um, also look at my Facebook page. Uh, you know, it's also the same thing, Sports by CJ. So uh, come check me out. See what I'm posting on there. And, um, yeah, thanks a lot, guys. It was a pleasure uh, talking to you all tonight. And, um, yeah, we'll definitely do this again sometime. Thanks, CJ. Absolutely. All right. Have a good night, CJ. All right, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. So you had it. CJ Simmons from Sports by CJ with some great NBA analysis. Uh, so, John, we have, you know, we talked about our, our Knicks, which is one of our – famous topics on this show. Uh, we started off by talking about our Mets who are winning 11-2, one out, Chameleon in for the, the, the nine-run lead save. Uh, nice. The Mets somehow, uh, you know, pieced together some runs tonight. I, I just can't believe it. Uh, and like we said before, the Mets, we can talk about them nonstop. But we do have some serious matters to discuss about some assholes in the world. So, John, take it away. Oh, yeah. So, you know, what I really want to talk about was the, uh, essentially the, the sex and sex since 9-11. Uh, it's not changed the narrative. In reality, it happened if you Watch the original reports about all the spin opinionated nonsense. Is this guy down for um he got radicalized on the internet or however. He's been to Saudi Arabia a couple of times. He was on the FBI's watch list, but you know, under Secretary Clinton he can't really bug the the they were on his radar. Then he ends up getting a clearance. He's working for a security firm. And uh, he has weapons, and then he uses these weapons to go out and kill um, you know, people because he disagrees with the royal life. It's insane. The fact that there's any opinion out there that and this act of terror is 
insane to me. The fact that, that anyone is trying to make this about what he used in that case. Like, the Boston Marathon Bombers did something that was extremely similar. They're first-generation American. Parents were refugees. They got radicalized. They went overseas to the police. They came back here, and then they, they did um, they used pressure cooker bomb and they made a pack that they found the directions on the internet. I used a gun instead of a bomb. Now anyone who's ever been a victim of, of you know Islamic ter- terrorism to try to turn this into something that it's not. This isn't a lone wolf. This isn't an isolated incident. This is a pattern. It's a pattern of conduct. You know the. There's 11 nations in the Middle East where it needs to be a homosexual and they'll put you to death for it. So acting like this is some lone wolf nutcase who had some sort of like mental illness, trying to compare this to the Sandy Hook massacre, is, it's, ridiculous. it's not true. It's just not true because the ideology that motivated this guy is the same uh, ideology that burned ISIS and that ramped it all over his right. It's the same motivating factor all of these terrorists and the idea that he purposely targeted it's pretty obvious that radically blocked sexuality but the media really and you know Obama and Hillary trying to control this narrative that they pretend like they don't like they don't kill a for all the Muslims they don't you know give women no rights. It's absolutely fact. You know, yeah, uh, so, John, I mean, uh, we, we've been having uh, some trouble hearing you've been going in and out with your uh, your uh, your line, and we have a comment in the chat saying, put my mic on. Uh, but, yeah, these, these guys are absolutely insane. Uh, they must be stopped. We have to stop, you know, listening to our nation lose leaders who are saying, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with them. It's all about the guns. Sorry about global warming. Uh, they need to be stopped. But my question for you is, why does President Obama refer to them as ISIL and not call them ISIS? Um, for a couple reasons. Um, honestly, I think it's because he's more worried about political correctness and hurting people's feelings than he's about the facts. And so... If you if you heard any of his speeches, he's more outraged at Donald Trump and you know, the possibility of Islamic or whatever than he is about the fact that they actually killed people in America. That's like secondary to him. It's oh you know this is no Muslim shit. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Everything's going on. Uh, we do have a caller now. Uh, would you like to take a guess as to who the caller is before I let him on the show? Uh, Andrew. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Yes. Hey, guys. Andrew and Fresh Meadows. Hey, Andrew. Live from the 36th Street Chick-fil-A, it's Andrew, sports fan. No, no, no. I really am in Fresh Meadows like I normally call you guys from, but uh, it would be fun to do a live call from, 
the Sixth Avenue Chick Fil A. That would be fun to do, but no. Oh, uh, maybe I'm, we could uh, maybe we could talk to our agent John, and we could do a live remote show from Chick Fil A. There you go. We, we got to see if they'll sponsor our show. I would love to do that. I'm I'm all in. As long as I can take the F train, I'm all in. in Orlando, and then I'll interview John, technically. That sound good? Yeah, but let me give my reaction first to the other thing that happened in Orlando yesterday. Or I mean, Today. Alligator Brown, the two-year-old, which is, you know, really tragic. Um, and, you know, lots of bad things going on in Orlando right now, but from my understanding, you know, this was not a swimmable lake, so uh, the blame should probably go on the parent for letting the child in the lake. Uh, have you guys heard about that story? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I I have a you know for a two year old to be around the body of water without you know really 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 proper supervision. Um, never mind that you know, there's a gigantic predator. Who's, who could possibly and ended up dead murdering it, is that they drowned but really, really easily. These parents should absolutely be, um, you know, charged. At, at the very least charged, hopefully convicted. Yeah, uh, really not a good situation. But Andrew, go ahead, give your reaction on what's, going, what's been going on in Orlando. First, I'll talk about the alligator quickly, then I want to focus on the uh, gay nightclub shooting. First, the alligator... I completely agree with what John said. These parents should be held accountable for what, you know, this two-year-old had to endure. And, uh, you know, if I had my way and somehow I was able to save the boy's life, I would shoot the alligator. So, again, somebody needs to be held accountable, and it's going to be the parents. Now, as far as the happened, unfortunately, this past Sunday night, you know, I feel afraid right now for every person in the LGBT community because right now it is a very dark time and what happened on Sunday just angered me as an American knowing that again this deeply affected the LGBT community and it basically brought up the debate over guns in this country and I've been going all over social media the past couple of days trying to get the National Assault Rifle Ban, you know, voted through the House and the Senate, and uh, it is time for serious change. I mean, I am a strong believer in the Second Amendment, believe me, but at some point, you're going to have to, wait a second, the public can't get a hold of these, you know, military assault weapons. It's getting out of hand. We, we need to do something. Yeah, I mean, why don't you elaborate a little about what you think could be done? Well, first of all, again, uh, I have uh, my personal friends have been 
you know, contacting New York State Senator Christian Gellibrand, and they've been contacting Chuck Schumer since uh, Sunday, and uh, they basically have been begging to, you know, and they did talk about it today on the floor, Chuck Schumer and Gellibrand, obviously, that, you know, there has to be a vote done to make sure that the public cannot get these military weapons. Now, it's it's getting out of hand, and the only people that should be getting these type of weapons are, again, people who served in the Army, people who served in the Navy. Uh, how do you, what do you feel about the fact that, you know, right away after this tragedy happened, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio was out there making a statement, uh, and just what did you think about this statement and, like, how uh, Hillary uh, was just uh, basically – you know, saying, yeah, we could we could bring in the refugees or whatever and stuff like that. Well, right now we have a big immigration problem in which, you know, I am afraid that if we continue on this cycle of political correctness, this country is going into a very dark place that has never been seen before in the history of the United States. Um, I, uh, I definitely, uh, assume that, uh, you know, just things need to change. And, um, you know, fortunately we lost, uh, John due to, due to some phone issues as we hear throughout the night. Uh, but he is, you know, I'm talking about him right now. So he said, he, I will answer his, he will answer the questions you have for him, uh, through text. Uh, well, he'll type it and then I'll write it. So, uh, why don't you go ahead and, you know, ask the detailed questions you had for him. Okay, so um, there's this thing been bothering this week, and I wanted to talk to John about it. Um, recently, our, well, my dad's tax bill came in, and the thing with the Fazio is, folks, let me tell you, since he's taken office, the New York City tax rates just keep going up, and... You know, I obviously live in a big, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? I have to think about it. Uh, Nick, you me out here. What's the word you uh, say, like you're trying, describing a land that's a house on? Can you help me out here? Because my train of thought's a little messed up. Property? Property? Property, yeah. I have a, we have a big property, and uh, just recently, another $500 was added to my dad's tax rate. So uh, it's starting to become like Nassau County taxes at this point. Well, we're getting abused by de Blasio on tax rates. So basically, I was going to ask John this. Why did he move to New Jersey, and, how, and how's his tax rate? Okay, so he says that the city was getting too bad. And I didn't want to pay the crazy real estate prices and deal with the crime. Crime played a large factor as where he wanted to raise his family. They need more money for free shit for homeless people, such as medication. Uh, so that's his response. How do you feel about that? Well, let me tell you, before all this propaganda by de Blasio even started, there was a reason why my 
family moved out to Queens, obviously, was because at the time that, you know, we, we, we have this house in Fresh Meadows, it was very affordable at the time, and taxes were very, very reasonable. They were, I think, about mm, maybe five, $6,000. Now, it's, it's getting close to $10,000. Nick, that's the average tax rate you can pay for your average, you know, average middle class property. So, John says, I pay 8000 a year in real estate taxes, but nothing on stuff I buy in Jersey because food, beer, and power is a lot cheaper, and there is no uh, taxes on those types of things in Jersey. Uh, and I know you had one other question for John, so it involves a certain uh, morning post on WFAN. In case many people were aware of it, you know, used to their morning routines, Governor Chris Christie, who, you know, I admire for his sports opinions nowadays, was uh, filling in for Boomer Esiason again. So my question to JT was, uh, do you think that Governor Christie has a shot to uh, possibly – Get a sports talk show in WFAN in 2018. Okay, so while he, uh, you know, thinks of his response there, uh, he says in in regards to uh, Chris Christie being the governor of New Jersey, he says, and here's the quote: "Yeah, he's the best." And I know you said he was not a good governor. That was Mike and Montclair. That was uh, Mike and Montclair who made that reference, who called Mike yesterday and basically was telling everybody, oh, our awful Governor Chris Christie, you know, all this and all that. You know, he's basically, and Mike's all like, oh, yeah, sure. He should get a sports talk show in 2018. But, well, uh, uh, John says that Chris Christie has no shot to replace Mike Francesa. Well, I understand that, but I think Governor Christie could have his own show either way. I don't know when it would be, but he he, he could get a show. I mean, it's a possibility, but as far as my views on the governor uh, politically, uh, he hasn't done really anything for Atlantic City, and me and my friends in Long Island talk about it all the time. Why hasn't he done anything to, you know, revive Atlantic City? And, uh, Nick, me and you were talking about it earlier this week, and I completely agree with you, and a lot of my Long Island friends agree, too. New Jersey has to legalize sports betting in order to save Atlantic City at this point. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's Christie's goal right now is to uh, just legalize gambling throughout the state. Uh, There might be some new casinos going up by the Meadowlands if that does happen, but uh, a lot of hoops and boundaries and, you know, things to go through when considering, you know, getting gambling approved in the state. Well, definitely, I agree with you on that, because somehow, some way, Atlantic City needs a type of, just a way to get revenue in to, you know, Help improve Atlantic City's infrastructure. Well, here's what John says about Atlantic City. AC is a shithole. When the economy is bad, people don't gamble as much, and they lost a ton of money. So, yeah, I guess the uh, the economy did play a factor. Um, and 
I and, you know, I'm, I'm also going to – JT will probably agree is that, you know, keep in mind, there were other casinos opening up, too. Don't forget, there are casinos now here in New York you have. Yeah, yeah. Empire City up in Westchester. You have Resorts World right near JFK. In, in Philadelphia, for an example, you have a bunch load of casinos throughout the state now. And – you can even go to Delaware now to gamble. Delaware that's, has legal sports betting. Yep. That's what hurt. That's what hurt Atlantic City. Uh, exactly. Around, and as John points out, the area around the area around AC is a shithole too. It's the gambling that kept the town above water. He is right. The town AC is not a very aesthetic looking town. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely have to get you back on to talk about New Jersey and Chris Christie and AC, but John's fully working next week. Uh, but for now, that's going to do it for this edition of our show. We had a great show tonight uh, with CJ Simmons. Thank you for listening. This has been episode 16 of Nick Snack News. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 